What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 of the Blue River Bow Hunting Podcast. Got a really, really cool, unique guest this week with me in Hunter Mural. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Brett? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, had a little bit of a hiatus there. Uh, me and the family got the old COVID and had to stay home and quarantine and all that. So it was, I'm ready to get outside and it's only oh. like two degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. How you feeling but, now? I'm for, I'm good, man. I I was only sick a couple of days and I was over it, but uh, it sucks being cooped up in the house that long. I like to go outside and do stuff. Right? Yeah, winter times is bad in general, anyway. So. <laughs> right. Well, tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself. All right. So uh, my name's Hunter Muller. I'm 20 years old, about to be 21 in March. Um, I live in Northeast Ohio, around the Worcester area. Um, just real big into whatever I can hunt, you know, I just roll from season to season. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, like I start the podcast out like the same way every week. How did you get started in being in the outdoors? Um, I would say just about everybody in my family hunts. So, I mean, I think I was probably two maybe, and my dad was carrying me around and stuff and just getting me out in the woods. And I think when I was five, my dad got me a uh, Rossi single shot 410 and uh, 17. So then my grandpa and them got me into squirrel hunting. And I mean, it just went from there. I just, I hunt all over. I got family down in West Virginia. We'd go down there and rifle season every year. I mean, it really is. I just hunt whatever's in season. And I mean, if I get bored, that's what I do. I go hunt or I go fish. So, right. You know, you're, I've had a lot of Ohio people on the last, month or so of the show and uh you know everybody that i talk to from ohio they have like this this passion that i don't necessarily know if i've seen with other guests that i've had on uh, about the state that they hunt in really how uh, like how passionate are you about ohio you just love every aspect of hunting ohio yeah i mean i i really like ohio i like to get out and hunt other states too but i feel like Ohio's um pretty diverse in itself you know yeah um, I mean, I live up on the northeast side, so it's kind of like 50% woods, 50% fields. I mean, that varies, I mean, from where you are, but it's pretty, uh, there's a lot of ag, a lot of woods. But then you go down south where I went to school, and it's all hills. And, I mean, it's you just got a little bit of everything. So, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of no-brainer. I mean, nobody's ever hunted here or whatever, and you're kind of looking at Ohio. I mean, I would come check it out. Absolutely. You know, like, you know, I talked to uh, Paul Campbell from over there. He does the uh, O2 podcast, Ohio Outdoorsman. And, uh, you know, they talk about, he talks about rich heritages and stuff a lot. You said your whole family, you know, hunts. You guys have any traditions where you do like a deer camp on opening weekend or anything like that? Um, I mean, I wouldn't really say something like in particular like that. I mean, we used to go down to West Virginia every year. That's where my uh, grandpa grew up. Then he moved up here. He got a job when he was probably 18 or so. Then he lived up here, and then we just, every year during the week of Thanksgiving, we go down for gun season. I mean, that's that's my main tradition. But, I mean, hunting is just my dad, my brother, me. Um, we just go all the time. I mean, it's just, I mean, I get home from work, we go. It's just, I mean no real set tradition other than just going down to West Virginia for Thanksgiving. Right. I didn't know. Sometimes, you know, like we used to have a tradition back when I first started deer hunting with my, uh, 
dad and my uncle who got me into into hunting and we had like this tradition the opening day we always hit opening day of gun we hit um this little diner we called the truck stop it's at up on highway 70 up by us and uh it was just kind of cool to be sitting down at breakfast because everybody that you saw in there that day, they were wearing camo or they had an orange hat on or whatever, you know. Right. Everybody was going deer hunting. Like, everybody, they were just like a charisma in the diner, you know. Good luck this morning, guys, you know. Drinking coffee, eating biscuits and gravy at right. 4 o'clock in the morning. It was pretty fun, man. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, something sort of like that. Uh, when I was in high school, um, our gun season always comes in on Monday. So they'd kind of know that a lot of people wouldn't be there Monday. So they just started doing teacher in service that day, mm-hmm. giving us the day off anyway, because they knew we weren't going to be there. Yeah, I wouldn't be there. If my opening day gun started on a Monday, I wouldn't be there either. <laughs> no, I mean, there would maybe be, I don't know. In my class, I think it was 120 people, and I'd say at least half of them was going hunting. So <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Talk a little bit about deer hunting. I see you got some some antlers on the wall there behind you. It looks and I've seen a lot of pictures on like your go wild and stuff. It looks like you've been uh, quite successful. Uh, what you said that uh, northeast Ohio? Yeah, northeast. I mean, we're not. I think we're about an hour from the lake, right in right in this area, and it's it's not way east. It's kind of like northeast, but kind of central. You know. I got you. It seems like a lot of those big big boys in ohio they kill them in what the the southeast corner there uh there's some big ones up here don't let that fool you oh i, I i'm not <laughs> fooled by any means i know that ohio holds some some pretty big bucks yeah i would say i would say like south central maybe i feel like down maybe south of columbus a little ways seems like there's a lot of good ones southeastern that's kind of where i went to school um there's a lot of big ones down there but it's more you know mountainous down there so they have that you know some of them are like that uh pencil rack you know they kind of get like that right here it's just corn fed man if you find a big one he's he's big oh yeah absolutely now when it comes to your deer hunting are you uh strictly like a private land guy or do you hit some public land too um for the most part when i'm home it's private land but when i went to college i went there for two and a half years down at Houghton College, and uh, I mostly hunted public land. Um, I did, I did, was fortunate enough to pick up some private land down there, but um, majority was on public. Yeah, I know it can be hard going to a school where there's other guys like you that are putting in the work just like you are trying to pick those properties up when you're going for something like conservation law. Right. Because <laughs> I was actually... I went to school for conservation law as well at Vincennes University here in Indiana, and everybody you could see i mean everybody would talk about it anyways, but guys going out on out the outskirts of town and asking farmers if they hunt some people were lucky enough to pick places up, but the majority of us had to hit some public land like you said, and that was really my first taste of public land, and I hated it, and I still hate it <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a different game for sure I, I haven't really had any um Real good luck. I mean, uh, I think my second year of school down there, I uh, I think I just got into saddle hunting like the Christmas before, and it was November. And I was hunting this big saddle. And every day I'd drive by this place, and it was private, right by the road, and it was a horse pasture. And every day, every year during the rut, there would always be a buck out there standing there, and he'd be out in the middle of the pasture with all the horses and making a rub on a fence post. And I'm like man, I wish I could get permission to hunt that. But I'm like, I'm sure, you know, right by the road, everybody sees this deer. I'm like, 
I know somebody's got permission to hunt that. Well, I started digging into it a little bit more and come to find out if I walked about 700 yards, I could get right up against that pasture that was up overgrown and stuff. So it was like a thicket. So I walked up there one night and that wind was blowing from the bedding to where I was sitting on the saddle. And I'm like, something's going to happen tonight. It has to happen. Like, He's going to come up at, you know, down one side of that bedding area and just come right up past me. And then all night long, just I seen one doe and one little buck. And like the last 10 minutes, I'm debating on whether I'm going to like pack it up or not yet. And I start hearing, you know, some crashing and the leaves. I look up, here he comes. He's coming right to me. 30 yards and um, my uh, sight on my bow, the light on it, it was dead. So I was like trying to figure out where he was at. Like 30 yards, so I put it on him. I couldn't see my 30 yard pin, I could see my 20 and my 40. Couldn't see my 30, and it just ended up hitting him high and never found him. But oh, that sucks! And he was a big one, too. That's you know, especially to get it done like that. You know, so how uh, how long ago did you say you started saddle hunting? I would say I think it's been two years now, probably because I got it for Christmas and then I didn't really get to hunt that that much right after christmas i mean i got out played around with it a little bit but um i think next christmas would make three years so that's that's wild you know that's you know some of the most of the people i've talked to that's the earliest i've heard anybody trying the saddle thing out you know you hear a lot about it right now because it's like the hot thing to do or whatever but um that's cool that you've been doing it that long uh do you have any good bow kills out of that saddle um Everything I killed this year was out of my saddle, and I killed five deer this year. That's awesome. Uh, well, one was on the ground. It was a doe during gun season, but everything else, and I mean, I don't know how many deer I killed last year, but all but one of them was out of my saddle, too. Uh, once I once I started hunting out of a saddle, I, I think last year I sat in a, um, like a ladder stand one time, and this year I hadn't sat in one all year, so you probably got it all figured out where the way, you know, the way you do, it's probably seamlessly going up the tree. You're probably most comfortable in the, in the saddle by now. Well, it's like, so I started out down at school with a climber. I had a summit climber mm-hmm. and man, I'm telling you them, them hills will kill you with a climber. It's just so, I don't know. It's just bulky for one. It's hard to, you know, get on your back and get your backpack and then carry your stand or your, your bow or your gun or whatever. So you just, it's bulky to begin with and then you're banging off all the limbs and stuff going in there it's just no good way to do it and then i think it was like when trophy line first came out with like that they was making saddles again or whatever um that first year i was like man i was like that'd be you know a really cool style for hunting and especially where i'm down at school just basically going mobile all the time i didn't have no preset stands or anything right i got I think that's the way to go. So I ended up getting a saddle. And then um, this past year, I kind of I was like, man, I like saddle hunting. I got everything else I need. But this trophy line saddle is kind of like a, a bare minimum, you know, like it's a starter. So I ended up getting a latitude saddle. And it's a two. It's like the uh, double panel. Mm-hmm. So, and once I got that, man, that's all I hunted out of this year. You you think you like it more just because how mobile it can be, or is it a comfortability thing? I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, so I got the the Trophy Line pack, I got the Trophy Line Mission platform, which is the bigger of their platforms, mm-hmm. and then I got 
30 inch hawk stick. So everything I'm running is not about, you know, weight. I'm not trying to cut weight. Right. But, um, so I'm probably about the same weight that I was with my climber, but the thing about it is it's so much quieter getting in that pack is like everything's strapped down tight. There's nothing rattling. Um, but weight wise, I'm probably sitting around what I was with my climber. But it's then, just easier to get in and out. You know, it's not, you know, bouncing on your back and stuff. Yeah. It's more comfortable. Yeah. It's all solid. And then when you get to, I think the biggest thing that was like screwing me up with uh, my climber was I'd get to a spot and I'm like, right here's where I need need to be but mm-hmm. then with that climber it's like oh there's limbs on this tree i can't climb it. or there's this tree's not straight or it's you know it tapers down too much there's too much that goes into it so i'd end up being like 80 yards away from where i really needed to be and then once i got that saddle i was just you know i mean a little bit of finagling you can get into just about any tree yeah you know you can use those those limbs as extra steps you right. could you know put one stick in the tree go another 15 foot not even need it you know right. some people i see the big thing right now is everybody using one stick have you seen have you seen that i've i've seen that i don't i don't really think that's for me no i don't think it's for me either you know it looked like a lot of you know i'm not only do i do i gonna have to pack in you know the all the saddle stuff i'm gonna have to pack in my uh, my filming equipment too so that's added weight right there on top of that so um i don't know i just don't need something i'm gonna be i'm gonna be getting too sweaty the way it is <laughs> well, yeah it just looks like too much work you know right it's probably really not that hard but the movement of just you know however they do it i i tried to get like wrap my head around it and i was like no that's not for me no, it's too much messing with ropes. You know, obviously you're going to mess with your lineman's belt. You're going to mess with your tether or your bridge and all, and all that. But having to scoot your legs and pull that back up, I'll just hang another set and keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I just hook my uh, sticks on and put them up as I go. It's, I mean, I think the biggest thing I like about uh, my saddle, too, is just having that lineman's belt always on. Right. You know, I, a couple times I had hunted out of my climber, and I'd be like in a rush or something, didn't have my my harness or something. Mm-hmm. And there was one time I was sitting in it and didn't have my harness on, and the bottom slipped out from under me. Yeah. And there I was, about fifteen or twenty foot up, you know, somewhere in that range. And there I'm just holding myself with my arms. Finally, I got my I like let myself down far enough that I could hook my platform and pull it back up, but I was like. I, don't, I just don't like it. It's just too much sliding and whatever. Yeah, it's, there's too much of a liability, I feel like. Like, the one I had, the Summit Viper 360, I believe, is the one I had. Um, you know, and I ended up having uh, – it malfunctioned on me in public land in Ohio this past or this past deer season. Like, I stepped on it. I'm already 10 or 15 foot off the ground, and the, the bottom 45'd. Like, I didn't know, like, what to do. I'm lucky I didn't fall myself, and I had a big bag and stuff on. It's like you couldn't even handle me. I I don't weigh that much. I might be a hefty fellow, but I ain't that hefty. You know what I mean? Yeah. To bend aluminum or whatever that is on them stands. And after that, I said, I'm done with climbers. You know, I see all this stuff about saddles. Looks right up my alley. I'm a, I, it's hard to explain, but when when I'm filming, I'm a big stander. 
I like to stand and lean up against a tree. And when, and when I stand up like that, my camera is in a certain angle where I'm not like having to move to get a hold of, it. I can just literally reach my hand and turn my, my camera on and deal with it from there. You know what I mean? It's just a comfortability thing. And I think with that saddle, I'll be standing up more like I like and bigger range of motion. I just think I'm going to like it and well, I haven't even bought one yet. <laughs> right. Well, the, the biggest thing I think that turns people away from saddle hunting is, um, just the cost. Right. It's expensive to get into. And the thing is, like, you can start out with, like, a hawk saddle or something, but you're going to come to find out that you're going to have to replace a lot of stuff on it just to, to get yeah. it to the point of where it's a decent saddle, you know? You know, I'm going to go ahead, and I think I'm going to – I'm looking at the, the tethered uh, Phantom XL, and but what I really want to spend my money on is is sticks. I want a good set of sticks. Yeah. Uh, I just want try to try to get as light as I can possibly get. And just something that it's it's going to be easy to work with, you know. I don't necessarily going to be in a hurry, but I want it to be to be able to get in a routine where I can do it somewhat quick. You know what I mean? Right. I think uh, from ground to you know completely set up, it's roughly like ten minutes for me. That's not bad. That's, the thing is, it's like I'm not worried about how fast I'm up because I've already got all that uh, into play. You know, I, I got up earlier. I get I did all of this stuff to get there. Right. I'm right on schedule now. The 10 minute setup is just part of it. And I like to be as quiet as I can because I'm trying to push in on, you know, bedding areas and stuff like that. I'm not worried about, man, I need to get up before the sun's up. I'm just trying to get in and get up quiet, you know. Right. You know, you said you hunted a lot of um, private land close to home with your saddle. Is there um, places that you go and maybe just go ahead and you just like a certain spot and you climb the same tree? Maybe you got it trimmed out or something? Um, I wouldn't say that I do really because, um, some of the places, the one place I hunt, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of like the Isaac Walton league. Mm -mm. So they're kind of like a conservation group, but one of their properties is a place I hunt a lot. And it's just, you can't really cut anything. They don't really like you to, oh, okay. it's, it's like, uh, all the members hunt there. So it's kind of more so like, uh, I would say public land kind of deal. And then just the other places I hunt, I'm just always moving. Like I, I try not to sit the same tree twice. Right. You know, you know, I, 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 the reason I ask that is because you know, in certain places, like I know this one bottom that I really want to sit in a saddle down there would be pretty wild. Just the the over the view I'm going to have from it basically because I can't really hang stands down in there because I always push deer out going in and out of this property it's just something that's really hard but you know a, a midday sit in the rut you know i can take that saddle down into the into that um the bottom and you know find me a tree and maybe you know it's not even that big of an area i'm talking maybe two football fields is this area that i'm talking about so I, i'm imagining i can find myself a, a decent tree and maybe cut me some shooting lanes out of it and if i want to go hit that that particular area i have a tree already set up for it, you know what i mean right yeah that would good i know a lot of guys on um, saddle hunt if they got private land like that they'll like preset sticks and everything you know oh that's that's a good idea i, I probably won't go that far i'll probably take the sticks with me because i want to be able to just be able to move with it you know like i, I don't want to buy you know four or five stick setups you know I, I have those already for actually that's a good point I already have sticks that I have uh, preset hung, uh, hang on stands in. I could just take the stands out of there and just saddle hunt the tree. Right. 
all you got to do is, I mean, just take your stand out there and slap your platform on and you're good to go. I mean, you can even, you can even saddle hunt off your uh, tree stand. That's true too. I never thought about that. No. You know, um, with what, what, what'd you say that conservation place was you were having uh, it's called the Isaac, it's called the, uh, Isaac Walton league of America. Oh, that's cool. I never heard of that. Tell me a little bit about it. Um, so it's like, they're kind of focused on like more conservation, like soil conservation and woods conservation and stuff like that. Um, but they do a lot of hunting and, and they're supportive of that too. So, uh, I think in the County I live in it, I think it's goes by, uh, county chapters. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many different counties in Ohio that have it, but I know of two at least here in Wayne County and then Medina County's got some too, but it's just, um, kind of, they got property that was donated to them and they, you know, allow hiking and stuff like that on there. But, so you, do you have to be like a, a member of it to be able to hunt it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have to do like community service and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. So you get to, have you done a lot of the community service there? So, um, th- my biggest thing that I, I do down there, they do a disabled hunters hunt mm-hmm. during gun season. It's usually like the first two days. And, uh, the first time I did it, man, I just loved it. You know, Absolutely. guys that can't get out there. I'm thinking, you know, that's what I do. I get home or I'm, you know, it's a weekend. I'm just looking forward to going hunting. And if I had something to take that away from me, you know, that would just be killer. You know? Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't handle that personally. I don't think. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, my mom told me about it. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. You know, and I'm sacrificing opening day. You right. know? And I'm like, I don't really care. You know? No, that's totally worth it. I would give up my opening day to take a disabled hunter out. And, you know, maybe that is it guys that have been hunting before, or is it people that have never even really been in the outdoors? Um, so both this probably. year, yeah, kind of both, a little bit of both. Um, the first year I did it, the the guy was in a wheelchair. From he didn't have any legs from like the waist down, and he he said he'd been in a wheelchair since he was ten. Damn. He was probably in his fifties or so. Said he fell off a silo and whatever from that. So he wanted to get into hunting later in life, but he just really had no way of doing it. And then he said. The year that I went with him, I sat with him. He didn't have nobody to sit with him, so I sat with him. And it's, he's, like he said, it was his third year out there, and uh, he showed up, and that was when, like, I mean, shotguns have always been a real big thing here. But uh, he brought his shotgun. He said he ran to Walmart that morning, went to get slugs, and they was all out. It was opening morning. so Yeah, they're probably like, out. <laughs> yeah. So he went there and they were pretty much out and he said he got some rifled slugs. Well, then he gets there and his barrel's rifled. Oh, like, man, you can't, you can't use those. I mean, it's, it's not going to throw any kind of pattern at all. Like, you're going to be all over the place. So one of the guys that was there putting it on too, he had a, a smooth bore and rifled slugs. So he took that and we went and hunted. And I think it was sometime around noon. I looked up and here comes a buck cruising the back of the woods, probably 60 yards and, he got on it and I got it stopped. And right about the time he's getting ready to pull the trigger, he just walked right out of the shooting lane. Oh, man. We were both, you know, tore up about it. We hunted the rest of the night, didn't see no deer. And then the next day, I think I had to go back down to school. I was home for Christmas or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had to go back down to school. And, uh, or might have been hunting with my dad. But, anyways, he was hunting by himself. And 
he texts me like sometime during the day, it was like noon or so. And he's like, Hey man, I just had a deer come through and I couldn't get it stopped. He said, how'd you get it stopped? And I said, I just yell something out to it. Like, man, or that's, I mean, that's what I always go to. And, uh, like three or three or three thirty called me back or text me. He's like, yeah, man, I had four of them come running in. And he said, I said, Matt, they stopped right there. And I dropped one. He said, that's my first deer I ever killed. So that's awesome now have you done have you done the the disability hunt more than once or just the one time so they did that a few years ago i can't remember what year i did it in but then they did some logging over there and like due to like how much debris was down and everything they were kind of like yeah we're just gonna you know work on getting it ready for a couple years and then open it back up so this this past year they they did open it back up and that was my second time that's awesome that's something i've always uh kind of wanted to do myself uh we do a lot of youth hunts which uh those things are awesome man seeing those kids jacked up is awesome oh yeah you know even if you don't kill anything you know just the attitude that they have in the woods because they don't know what to expect so that you know they're jacked up about everything you know like uh the last couple years uh taking uh caden bonowitz my neighbor boy turkey hunting and it's like every time I get the call out, you know, and start hitting, yelping or whatever, you know, he, you could just see him getting riled up. He's like, you know, where's the bird at? Where's it coming from? You know, and we yeah. haven't had too much success. We haven't killed any birds, but I took him down to uh, Kentucky last year and I actually had his brother Dylan and we had a Jake come in right off the bat. I mean, pretty much flew down, come running in and um, he didn't have his gun up. So when he moved, the bird saw him, and it took off. And I'm like, you know, he's kind of tore up about it a little bit. I was like, dude, it happens, man. You know how many times I've been busted by a bird turkey hunting? A million times, and you'll oh, do yeah. it another million times. Yeah, I seen something uh, Dave Owens posted the other day. He said, when you start thinking you got them figured out, that's your biggest mistake right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that is true. I mean, you, you think, oh, yeah, dude, I got them figured out. Tomorrow morning, I'll be there. He's going to do the same thing. And then you get there, and he don't even – make a peep on the limb yeah he does it the total opposite of what you expected him to do which it happens a lot you know let's go ahead and let's let's start talking some turkey you know you told me it was your your favorite favorite thing to hunt yeah oh, why yeah. is it your favorite thing to hunt i think um the biggest thing about turkey hunting is just kind of more of like an interaction you know it's deer hunting you're kind of you're just you're getting in a spot to ambush them and that's not really how i like the turkey hunt. i like the you know I like calling them. I like running and gunning, cutting them off. You know, just being aggressive. That's how I turkey hunt. I'm not a, I'm not a real patient turkey hunter. I, I'm right there with you, buddy. I, I, it seems like you know, I'm not that old. You know, I'm thirty. I'll be thirty three this year. I feel like I've been chasing these long beards for like twenty years. Is what it feels like. Because I started turkey hunting when I was fourteen, and I learned to turkey hunt in the hills and hollers of Kentucky, which at a younger age is no big deal. But when you get over that 30-year hump that I did, man, them hills will straight get you. You'll be at oh, the top cool. ready to puke. What part of Kentucky were you hunting? Uh, it's near uh, Lake Cumberland, uh, around the Somerset area. Okay, yeah. Um, last year, opening weekend, we went down to Kentucky and uh, hunted around Cave Run. Yep. That's that's treacherous out there. At Daniel Boone, that'll make you. Yeah, that'll, that'll make a man out of you really yeah. quick. Yeah. But I can see what you're saying about, you know, being an interactive thing. You know, it's like maybe that's one thing. If you can't figure the birds out, maybe the one thing you figure out is how to at least talk to them. 
right. know what I mean? If you, you get that down, you, you learn like, you know, fly down cackle and stuff like that. And the little bitty things, little bitty details on some of your calling can make or break some of your hunts. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I'm, sometimes I hear people and I'm surprised that, you know, turkeys come into that, but <laughs> right. it, works, it works, you know, I'm not saying I'm the best by any means. Cause I got some, uh, couple of buddies uh that would just blow me out of the water i can do just about anything i want to on a mouth call there's a few things on it i can't do but uh if you can figure out how to talk to them you know i know a lot of people they want to call call and call and call and get them fired up i like to get them fired up too but there's a certain point where you need to stop what you're you stop it stop calling because he's gonna come looking for you right. you just keep calling him you just saying that you're in the same spot and it normally doesn't work like that <laughs> that's the thing too about turkey and it's like i mean there's not one set way to do it you pick your way you know right if you like hunting turkeys in the fall you like hunting turkeys in the spring that's just a whole different game in itself right there oh yeah and then like i mean you just kind of read the bird and go from there you know right you know, it seems like when we make those decisions deer hunting, weather has a lot to do with it. You know, which way is the wind blowing? Is there a cold front coming in? What's a barometric pressure? I feel like, you know, if you it, it does affect the birds a little bit. You know, obviously, if it's pouring down fucking rain, you're not going to have 30 toms gobbling. You know, right. you might get that one that's retarded at the end. It gobbles right at daybreak or something. You can hear it in his voice that he's soaking wet. Yeah. But, you know turkey hunting you know mostly you know you can get on them birds just about any time you know and with the weather changing like that say it starts starts raining you know you need to get to an open field because those birds are going to hit them fields that's the thing too you can go there the night before and roost them and say okay there's three or four birds in here and if you wake up and you go the next morning you get in there you know your hopes are high everything's perfect the weather's perfect they just won't gobble it's right. they have a mind of their own it's just a it's, it's fun to me i guess definitely what about coon hunting you said you did some coon hunting i have zero coon hunting experience so you might have to enlighten me on kind of how it works you are you hunting them with dogs or without dogs um with dogs um so i got uh right now i got a walker a coon hound and a blue tick coon hound. um i don't know we probably had over the years we probably had about eight different coon dogs since i was younger it's something my dad did back in high school with my grandpa. And um, then when I got old enough, they got another dog, you know, we started hunting. I mean, we had um, some dogs that were okay. And then I think when it was, I was in high school and we got a better dog. And it's it just every night I was going, you know, something to do. Like right now, like if I haven't hunted my dogs much this year, just because I've been busy with school, graduating, getting all that done. But it's just like you get bored, you know. At night, you're just sitting around, but coon hunting, you can get out there and actually do something, you know, spend some time out in the woods, and I don't know. It's just something different having the dogs out there lighting up, and you just you just get excited, you know. Oh, I, I bet. You know, I had a lot of buddies in high school that did that, you know. They would go run these tournaments and, you know, all this, and I just it's just something that I couldn't get into at the time. I think now I'd probably be more more into it because I've, I've been around um, waterfowl dogs, and it was really cool to watch those dogs work and do their thing. And right. I think it'd be cool. Cause I've never been on one. I would love to, you know, try a, a coon hunt out with just watching the dogs work. I'm sure that's probably half the fun. Oh yeah, it is. It's, I, you know, a lot of places I go to is places that I've been going to. And so it's like, you know, you turn loose and kind of expect them to do things just because they've done it so many times. 
in that woods, you're like, okay, they're going to tree somewhere down in there or whatnot. But it's not always like that. I mean, sometimes they'll run out and take you on a wild goose chase and you'll end up, you know, three quarters of a mile away when you're hunting in a woods, it's, you know, 20 acres. It's like, <laughs> right. you never know, you know. Especially I had a, last year, a couple years ago, I was working this blue tick when he was a pup. And, man, one night he would just go out and just slam him. And then next thing you know, nothing. And the next time you turned him loose, boom, they'd be like a mile away for no reason. I'm like, dude, it was so frustrating. But it's just part of it, I guess. So walk me through like a, a typical night coon hunt. You just roll up to the woods and open the dog boxes. Is that how it works? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we load up. We'll get out there, um, roll up to the woods. I mean, around here, it's, you know, smaller tracks of land. Like, I mean, I'd say bigger ones would be 40, you know, 40 acres. Maybe like 100 connected woods, but you might have permission on 40 of it, you know. Right. And that's a big thing that I think gives coon hunters a, a bad name is, like, trespassing. But it's like, I mean, you turn loose, you, you're, you're hoping that they stay on where you have permission, but they don't always. You have to go get them, you know. Right. nobody likes it but it's just go get them get out of there you know we're not trying to you know mess up your deer hunt we're not trying to do any of that but um so you know we roll up let the dogs out get the collars all running and the tractor and all that cut them down the lane and let them go and you know listen um a lot of times like my tractor it'll tell you if they're treating stuff but you go enough you learn the dog you know right. you know before it even goes off and then then you walk down in there and, you know, shoot your coon out, put your dogs up, and then turn them loose again and just just on and on until you get tired of it. That's awesome. I might have to so – if somebody's listening to this and you live close to me here in central Indiana and you run coon dogs, let me know. I, I, like, to, I like to go check it out. If not anything cool, I'd like to at least film something I've never done before. And I think, you know, that would be pretty cool. What well, Have you heard – do they do like the – in Ohio – think i know the answer to this question but uh do they run uh, dogs for deer in ohio no i don't i don't think they do yeah right. i know in a few states like <clears throat> i think it's like virginia and uh south carolina uh mississippi somewhere you know somewhere down in the south there they run those dogs for uh deer that's pretty cool you know i, I don't yeah. necessarily think i would like it you know the coon thing's different to me that's at night you know or whatever you know you're not trying to shoot uh, a buck running across the road or something crazy you know right. what i mean and i don't you know i like to earn my deer a certain way so it, i don't think i would get the satisfaction of having a dog chase a deer to me right i know a lot of guys around here do uh, coyote hunting with dogs oh really yeah that's a big thing that's awesome i've seen yeah. some of that on like tiktok where they do it out like in utah and uh out in texas and stuff like that they just have the dogs on like the back of the truck they chase yeah. these things down and just let them have it. Oh, so th the way these guys do it, they'll roll up just like, you know, coon hunting. But it's during the day. You roll up, you let your dogs out. And then you've got the guy down the road here. He used to do it with beagles. And he would take these beagles and strap a like, vest on them and big old spiky collars. And I'm like, dude, if I was a beagle, I would not be going to chase coyotes around, you know. <laughs> with a big collar on. Yeah, I'm like, so he would do that. And then he would have everybody load up with uh, – their shotguns and buckshot and then they would have like they they have like carlson has like um yeah coyote chokes or whatever mm -hmm. and uh they would use shotguns so that way they weren't you know reaching out where it's so flat around here 
but he would kill, you know, in a year, he'd kill like 55 or 60 coyotes. Wow, that's a that's a pretty yeah. big number. Yeah. So, You do much predator hunting yourself? I've tried. I'm just not really, I'm not good at it at all. I Apparently, I'm in the same boat as you. I had a caller at one point. Uh, me and Ryan would hit it up a few times, you know, in the, the late winter when we didn't really have anything else to do. That was kind of our you know, thing to do after duck season closed out, we would try coyote hunting a few times. And I've even been in a couple of the derbies here close to home, but, uh, man, I sucked. I did not get it done. Coyote hunting. I did not have that figured out whatsoever. It's hard, man. It's just, I mean, I go because it's something to do, but like my grandpa even has a, uh, like a night vision scope or whatever for his AR. And, you know, I go, I just don't have any luck. I just never see him. That'd be different. I never got to do the night thing, which I know a lot of the guys that are into it, that's a big thing that they do. Hey. Like there's some guys around around me, uh, they're straight coyote killers. That's they they get after it, man. There's we went uh duck hunting with these guys one time. We were invited to go with uh the people from JT Calls here close to home and uh smacking birds. I mean, we killed a I think there was eight or nine guys. Eight eight or nine guys killed a limit of ducks and unlimited geese in just under three hours ish and i mean unbelievable one of the best goose hunts i think i've ever been on because it was just like one flock after another just kept coming in and the guys all these guys were talking like what would be you know if you had to pick one thing what you you can only hunt one thing forever every single one of those guys said they would coyote hunt and i was like you guys are killing 10 man limits of geese and mallards you know they're like oh no we're going to kill four or five coyotes tonight i'm like dang you know they got the you know the the night vision scopes on their guns and stuff and they're showing us videos can't remember what their youtube is but i've watched it every time they post something and they are just straight smacking dogs man that's good somebody's got to do it because they got to pick up my slack yeah me too you know and i have uh, a couple of the places that I deer hunt are absolutely, I mean, every time I see a coyote, I'm smacking it as much as I can. And I've seen a yeah. lot of them, but it seems like whenever I try to go for just coyotes, I don't even see one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like as soon as you step out of the truck, they already know you're there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I even tried to trap them for a little bit. I started making snares and right. uh, using the footholds and doing the scent and all that stuff. And I couldn't even get that done. I, I Apparently, I need to stick to deer and turkey. My brother, my younger brother, Briar, he's pretty good at snaring coyotes. He's there for a while. He caught one the first year he tried it, and he was probably 10 at the time. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying, and I'm like, dude, I can't have it. I'm just not having any luck at all. And he's like, I'm going to go set one. I'm like, all right, whatever. And he caught one the first year, and then the second year he put the snare in the exact same trail and caught another one i'm like all right i don't know what you're doing i I think you're just getting lucky but okay (laughs) i was around i'm around some um uh, farmers they do this big um wild fry every year it's coming up here in a couple weeks but i can remember being i don't know 17 or 18 years old when i first kind of met them and hung around them and stuff and they're big sheep farmers so you know, they had to deal with the coyote problem way more than I was used to. Right. And, and I remember at the wild fry one year, uh, Jason Maroska showing, uh, showing me coyote snares that he had handmade himself out of like airline wire or whatever it is that they use. And he was making his own up and they were catching a lot of them. I mean, we'd be sitting there there. It's all these farmers come together hunters. They all come together and they're 
they're frying fish and squirrel and everybody kind of brings something i mean there's 40 or 50 people at this party and that's got this big long table and you know fresh fish and they come dump a thing of fresh fried perch and walleye and you know right. red snapper and all this up and and then you hear somebody holler from, from outside it might be outside you know smoking a cigarette or using the porta potty whatever there's a coyote in the field and there's like five guys that scatter you know they're all <laughs> running to get their gun <laughs> It's pretty cool. I just being around that was pretty cool because you know them farmers they got to dust them off, especially with having livestock around. Yeah, that's their livelihood. You know, that's their money. You also told me that you like uh, kayak fishing. Yeah. How'd you How'd you get into that? I think I got one for Christmas when I was pretty young. I just uh, started doing it for fun, and then I started getting into tournaments a little bit there, probably three or four years ago. I mean, I'm not real serious. I go, I do decent, but I've never really, you know, had a chance of winning. But uh, the last two years, it's uh, it's called Kayak Anglers. It's the association. Mm-hmm. But uh, part of the group, Kayak Anglers Northeast Ohio, and uh, there's a lake over in uh, eastern Ohio called Pima Tuning, and they do what's called the Battle of the Border. So it's Ohio and uh, PA guys. And we all fish the lake and it's, it's pretty fun. I like the last two years. Um, I think I placed like, I think last year was like 30th out of like hundred people or something. That's awesome. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm decent, but I'm not really up there. But so what is like you, uh, you got to keep like a bag like you were, if you were like a Bassmasters or something, when you catch something, you put it on a stringer or something. So they kind of, they have like their own tournament style. It's, um, all their rules and everything and it's kind of you catch a fish they have certain boards that you can use it's, it's by length mm-hmm. so they have certain boards you can use and you just uh you take a picture of them and submit them the length and then they have a judge like as it's posting live to the thing there's judges they're making sure that you have the right length that you're putting in and making sure you didn't just find like a dead bass floating <laughs> right. and take a picture of it and stuff like that but i think theirs is normally like a five fish limit. So I think the one year I caught three fish and I had like 55 inches or something like that. So I was, if I would have had two more fish, I would have been up in the top 10, but I just lost them early in the morning. That's awesome. You know, fishing is not something I have been super into. I mean, I go with some buddies when they want to go and stuff like that. Um, I had a kayak, I actually sold it um, last year, the year before I had the, uh, pelican i think it was what i had yeah pelican and it was the angler kayak you know where i sat on top of it and had the pole holders and all that stuff yeah. and, you know i just didn't get super deep into it. i know ryan he did a few uh tournaments there on the west side west side of indy he had like a you know a fish finder and stuff and everything on his yeah it's a big deal like you come up and there's some guys with like four or five thousand dollar kayaks and then <laughs> yeah. they got a fish finder like that on there and I'm sitting there in just a basic kayak, and I got, like, one thing tied on, and I know I can catch them on. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to fish and try it and see what happens. And I'm, these guys are just out there with their, you know, they're pedaling along their pedal kayaks, and I'm over here fighting the wind with my paddle. I'm like, whatever, you know. It's just just the competitive aspect, I guess. You know, oh, absolutely. You know. Getting some money out of it or something, you know. Right. Plus, it gets you in the outdoors, you know, in the summertime when you can't hunt nothing. Right. I mean, you can go fish, you know, like pleasure fishing and whatever, and, but add a little competition to it, and it gets really fun. 
Oh, absolutely. We went uh, walleye fishing for uh, Ryan's bachelor party last year in uh, Michigan on the Detroit River jigging for walleye. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. I want to go back so bad. What time of the year was that? Uh, April. April. It was it was fun, man. We got out there right at um, daylight, and we I think we fished six hours on a charter. It was awesome, man. Yeah, we used to go up to Lake Erie since we're, we're you know we're within an hour of Lake Erie. My uh, my cousin he runs a charter up there on Lake Erie. Oh, really? Yeah. So we used to go up there every spring and go jigging, and man, I, jigging them is something different. You know, you feel like you hooked a rock on the bottom, and then they're just like, dude, just keep reeling. You got a big one on. You know, it's like there's that's no what we were doing. We were we were jigging on off on and off the, off the bottom or whatever yeah that's awesome man i would never done anything like that before you know you bounce a little bit on that rock and pop it up and boom they'd smoke it right so for the most part we were fishing you know in like eight foot of water and it's all sandy so you, there'd be nothing out there to get hung up on it's just you just barely even feel it hitting the bottom it's just sand yeah and i remember my brother the first time he went out there he was jigging and all of a sudden he's like oh I'm hung up, you know, and he's just yanking on this thing. And my dad's like, there's nothing out here to get hung up on. He said, just start reeling. And he ended up catching like an eight, eight or nine-pound walleye full of eggs. I mean, it was just <laughs> – it was huge. You might have to get me your um, cousin's information because me and Ryan have been talking. We want to go up to Lake Erie, but we want to go smallmouth fishing. Does he do smallmouth too? Um, He knows where they're at, and he's really good at catching them, but it's not – he mostly focuses on perch and walleye. That's his big thing. Yeah. But I, I've, I've been trying to talk him into getting me out there after the smallmouth for years. And he's like, eh, maybe, you know, he's just, he, he catches walleye and perch every day. He just knows he's got waypoints. He goes out there every day and just sits on them. So it's, you know, that's his moneymaker. That's what he does for a living. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk a little bit about going to school to be conservation officer and that kind of sort of thing. So you went to a Hawking College, is that what you said? Yeah, Hawking College. It's a technical college down south of Columbus, a little town called Nelsonville. Um, so I don't know. I, was, I think I was a freshman in uh, high school, and I, you know, I was thinking, man, what am I going to do, you know? At that age, most people aren't really worried about that. But I'm like, what do I want to do? You know, I want to get started. Um, figure something out. Uh, I was like, game warden, that'd be cool, you know? And I think it was the next year I was in school. I still had the idea. And then I actually got to go on a ride along with my county game warden. And I was like, man, I was like, I, that's really something I could get into, you know? Uh, I've hunted all my life. And I'm like, most people are just out hunting. There's, there's not a lot of people that are actually going and, you know, protecting what we're out there hunting you know right i think that'd be something that i'd like to do so uh i just kind of stuck with that idea and then found hawking and i guess it's like the number one place in ohio for um game wardens they graduate from hawking so i ended up going there for natural resource law enforcement and stuck it out for two and a half years and got my degree there that's awesome what kind of talk about like some of the classes that you had to take for that um so a lot of it, I mean, it was kind of like 50-50, like wildlife management um, and law, basic law stuff, you know, and police right. and stuff like that. But um, I know a couple of my buddies, they went just for wildlife management, 
and they was going to become a game warden with that, which, I mean, it's all the same. I'm like, if you're going to take wildlife management, you might as well take in our law because it's kind of just 50-50. You get a little bit of the law stuff. You get a little bit of the management stuff. Right. So, I mean, I think some of the cooler classes I took, I took a handgun safety and proficiency. So we got to shoot Glocks, and that was just a whole class. We just shot guns. And <laughs> that's a, that's a good class to be a part of. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Did you have to do like a particular class on like waterfowl ID or like did a certain class cover that? So we had um, a class called wildlife ID and it was, it was everything. And so down there it's like eight week classes instead of uh, 16 week classes, Mm -hmm. like a whole semester. They did that so they could get, you know, a class the first eight weeks and a class you, you could fit a lot more classes. So you're just compressing all that into one Right. So that class, it was a little bit of everything, ID and just a little bit of everything. And at the end is when we did uh, the waterfowl. And man, I, I really sucked at that. <laughs> See, that's, I, I had never waterfowl. Like I was telling you earlier, I also went to school for conservation law. And um, when we got to waterfowl ID, I'd never duck hunted before. Yeah, some, guys, some guys down there got me into it. Now I'm a huge waterfowl guy. But like it was such an intimidating thing for the the person that had waterfowl hunt because there was guys that were deep deep in the waterfowl even at a college level and here I am I never even been before and you know just that knowledge a little bit ahead of that class was probably tremendous because I can I'm very good at waterfowl ID now but like I can remember sitting in class and he explained what we were going to do with the waterfowl basically waterfowl school was basically what it was right. and he he wanted you to pick one duck to to do like a report on and it had to be everything about this duck well me being a little kiss ass at the time i thought i'd be the first person to raise my hand because you know i, I was just a go-getter i guess right and i said mallard he said the minimum paper due for a mallard is 50 pages I said, nope, I'm changing my duck. <laughs> I said, I- I'll get, I'll come back to you on that one. I did not want to do no 50-page report on a mallard duck. Right. So I ended up getting uh, green wing teal, and I think I did maybe 15 or 16 pages or 20, something close to that. But uh, that was pretty cool, you know. But, like, another, like, a classroom example, he had a bunch of wings up on the board, and he would go up to you and say, if – um, you can tell me what this is. I'll give you 10 bonus points for the day or whatever percentage yeah. towards your midterm or whatever it was. And he gets to me and this guy was kind of an intimidating guy, super old school, just classic professor. But he also liked to fuck with people a lot. And he goes, all right, you. So he goes, going around. And he points to the green wing teal. I had, I'm on 16 pages of doing this duck. I know what it looks like. Yeah. I said, green wing teal. Nope. I'm like, really? He's like, I'll double your bonus points. Yes or no? I'm like, yeah, I, that's a green wing teal. I've done it. Nope. And I'm like, like, didn't know what to say because I'm not going to backtalk this guy. He's old school. He'd probably come over and smack me with something, you know? Yeah. So I let him go on to the next person. He comes back to me. He goes, if you have just stuck with your gut, I probably would have gave you 40 points towards your midterm or whatever it was, but you wouldn't stand up to me. And I'm like, 
you scared the hell out of me, dude. What do you want me to do? You know, just I'm not gonna back talk somebody, you know, a professor that I have a lot of respect for, you know. Right. It was kind of a cool I didn't know if you maybe had some stories or something like that from school. So my uh my one teacher, he was like the main guy that started uh the uh natural resource law enforcement there at Hawking. Like he was the founding guy. And um he was a really intimidating guy. Like he was a park ranger for a long time. Uh, did a lot of that kind of work. And he was just, the way he carried himself, he was really intimidating. It must and, be a uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. But we was uh, shooting at the range one time. And like, he wasn't a guy to like really tell you, hey, you're doing a good job. Like he went a little bit, like he wasn't really, it's not like he's coming out and just saying it, but it would kind of hint towards it. But, um, oh, what the heck? Um, so, uh, the one day we were shooting and some dude's like, he had his gun up and he's like going like this and like moving his shoulders around, like he's loosening up his shoulders and the, that barrel of his gun is just swinging all around like this <laughs> down the line and over here and up. And he like runs over and just grabs him by the like back of the, the sweatshirt and just rips him out. And he's like, if you ever do that again, you're out of here. He's like, you'll never be back. And I mean, like that was the last time that guy did that. Like he was just, I mean, you didn't mess with Ken. But I remember the first day I went down there, we was going on a trip. It was like a trip to see if you wanted to do NR law. And uh, we just traveled Ohio to like different state parks and stuff. The first day I get there, dude, I'm like nervous. I'm like, man, I've never been to college. I don't know any of these people. The professor is intimidating. And he's going over all of his rules. And uh, one of his rules was no hats on backwards. Like he was real strict about that. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know anybody in this class. And we were waiting on one dude. And the one dude shows up, walks into his class, hat on backwards, sits down. He's like 15 minutes late after he's just going over, you know, being on time, no hats on backwards and all this stuff. And that ended up being one of my best friends from college. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was like, what the heck, you know? Did you did you get like it seemed like this always happened um, it happened down there and I'm sure it happened there you got a group of guys that got along together right and like after our first year down there our second year because it was only a two year school we we all roomed together we all got an apartment instead of staying in the dorms and it was uh I won't mention here because my mom probably listens to this but we had some hellacious parties back in the day at our dorm <laughs> yeah well, I, I never really got into that partying too much but um i did have a real good close group of friends and then it kind of just faded out after that you know but the first year it was like you didn't know anything you're kind of just you know trying to get some real, real somebody else that lost and need somebody to lean on you know oh absolutely and i think they did a good job of that where i went to school as far as um, pairing um, your room or your when you were in the dorms, your roommate, you know, I think they paired a lot of them with the same um, major. Uh, yeah, same major. So you got to know a lot of people that were, you know, you lived around them and stuff, maybe in the same hallway or whatever. Right. It seemed like all of us were in like in a couple of these wings of a certain floor and we all would hang out and stuff before we started partying, you know, actually yeah. trying to do stuff, you know, like study and stuff. Yeah. So I, I met a couple guys down there and then, then um, they were real big into mobile hunting too. So that's just, I, I was already kind of mobile, but that's not like really how I grew up hunting. It was just ladder stand, you know, sit here all the time and 
And then once I got down there, I was I was like, man, I'm hunting public. I have to go mobile. So I ended up going more mobile and then met some guys that was going mobile. And now it's that's all I do. I just I, I try not to sit the same spot multiple times. I get it, man. What about like what do you get? Where do you go from here? Like you got your degree. Like are states hiring big time on this right now, or? Um. So how they they're they just got done hiring, but uh, and I should have applied, but I'm planning on moving to Kentucky here this summer, and uh, that's where my girlfriend lives. She's going to school at uh, Moorhead State, mm-hmm. and uh, she's got a couple more years, and they're hiring in October. So I'm gonna move down there like middle to end of this summer you know, get a job and then uh, apartment, all that. And then come October, I'm going to apply down there and see if I can get in. What are the, you know, stipulations for being an officer in a Kentucky? They have anything that maybe would be different from an Ohio? No, it's it's pretty much it's the same. I mean, I feel like there's kind of more um, slack than it is in Ohio. Um, their physical fitness testing is not as strict down there and um, – I can't remember. I was thinking you didn't really have to have a, a college degree to be a game warden down there, but I'm not sure. I know Ohio was at least two years. Yeah, that's how Indiana – well, Indiana, you can – you don't have to have any college experience, but it puts you ahead of those people that don't. But I know, like, when I first that's got perfect. out of it, they weren't really hiring that much. I worked at a um, a state park there for a while, being a park ranger at Summit Lake State Park here north of where I live. And uh, Indiana wasn't hiring at the time, and then I kind of had to make a decision, you know, like, yes, this park ranger thing is cool. I'm not making a whole lot of money. I need to really, you know, I was still living with my parents at the time. You know, I wanted to move out on my own and do different things, you know. So I I chose a a different career path, and um, I don't know. I think it worked out for the best, really. But, you know, I was um, looking into Ohio a little bit, but like it seemed like they were like you said they were pretty strict when it came to a lot of things we did a lot of like mock interviews yeah. like and they would um they had officers in there from Ohio and they would go through this and that and you know being young i may have answered some of those questions wrong and they i, I don't think they liked it i made it through like six or seven questions and then they they said next basically they were asking about a youth hunt and they put me in a situation, or uh, put me in a situation uh, handling youth, and I answered it the wrong way. Like, what would you do if so and so had, you know, he's missing his mom or his dad or whatever? And I totally answered it the wrong way, <laughs> and they told me next, basically. So I don't know. It's really, um, I don't know. It's really challenging, I think, to get into being a game warden. It's really competitive. There's, you know, they'll have eight hundred applications and only be hiring you know five counties or something so it's i don't know it's kind of like an out on a limb thing like you're hoping you know you can apply multiple times i don't even think they cut you off but it's just like you're hoping that you can get in it's never guaranteed like you just have to be confident in yourself and i think that's a big thing it seemed like after i made my uh career choice the way i did not five three or four years into what i'm doing now um they needed a lot of officers a lot of officers retired and they were taking a lot of people that had just come in from you know doing military action you know oh, military yeah. military was a big thing they they took a lot of people that were in the military which that's good for them i'm glad they had 
be able to give them jobs like that, which would be right. really a, a natural fit for somebody like that. Oh, yeah. Are you worried about not getting to hunt as much if you are a game warden? I'm not really too worried about it. I went on probably two or three ride-alongs with the one that's in my county, and I'm, I'm really close with him. I, I text him personally a lot. He said, here's the thing, man. He said, you're never going to hunt opening day again. But there's a thing that they kind of call like game wardens opening day where they, you know, Wednesday during gun season when most guys go back to work, they take off and, you know, go hunting, which I'm not too worried. I mean, it's just I, I'll go when I can. And I've always just I have success when I go. I, you know, I make the most out of what I got. So oh, absolutely. I'm not too worried about it. No, that's cool, man. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on, man. It's it was really cool conversation. It's kind of cool to talk about, you know, going to school like that since I did it back when back when I come out of high school and stuff. It was kind of cool to compare it a little bit and then yeah. getting to hear about your your deer hunting stuff and you know, saddle hunting maybe helped me think of a few things that I could do or do better when it come to the saddle hunting. So Yeah, definitely hit me up when you get your stuff and I can help you out with some pointers and whatnot. But. Absolutely, you know, that that'd be nice, you know. I'll have yeah. to hit you up on the uh the go wild yeah you know kind of backstory on how i hunt uh, met hunter it was through go wild meet a lot of people on go wild and actually i kind of had a, a surreal moment on go wild a little bit last night was message you back and forth when i had made your thumbnail for um the youtube yeah and i got a, a random message on uh go wild from a guy in kentucky saying that he had recently found my podcast he enjoys what we're doing and to keep pumping them out because he he can't get enough of it and i'm like that is awesome man that's just something cool and like everybody on go wild just seems like super down to earth right i mean like i i've been telling everybody i know like i just got on there and back in december and it's just like you know it's so easy to post on there i mean i feel like you're not getting judged like you could post whatever and there's always somebody on there that's you know like oh that's that's interesting you know right you could so, put a spike buck on there, you know, and they're like, congratulations, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is cool because, you know, you put something like that on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you're always going to have that one person that wants to be a dick and comment on it, you know, <laughs> and just Bro. be that rude person. But I no, think it, the biggest thing about that is it's just like on Facebook and Instagram, like you had it, you know, all this time, you, you have all these people built up that they don't really hunt. It's just people you know and you work with or, you know, your friends. They're just going to automatically just give you a like or, you know, a good job or, you know what I'm saying? But this right. just on Go Wild, most of the time you don't really know anybody. It's just all these random people are just hitting you up like, hey, man, that's a nice book. And, you know, interactions with people, I think, is really cool. I think it's cool, too, that you can, you know, you're earning points on there with your trophies and, you know, you're earning stickers and, you know, 25% off Vortex Optics and, you know, stuff like that. I think that's yeah. super cool, man. Yeah, I used uh, I used that 20% off I got for the new uh, reveal cams they got in the, the X's. And I got it for like 96 bucks or something. That's <laughs> awesome. I might have to check into that. I think I used all my percentages off. Um, I got um, some stickers and some blah, 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 you know, on there, whatever shirt. I'm getting another shirt. One of those, those cell cams, dude. They're, they're nice. They're yeah. Nice. You know, we didn't really dive into the cell cams too much, but, you know, I got, I hate to say the word, but I got a couple spy points that I run. And then I have like five 
uh, wildlife innovation cameras, old school, just SD card. Yeah. I love them though, because, you know, even if a chew- squirrel, you know, choose the handle off of it, you know, I'm not going to be super upset because it wasn't really all that expensive. Right. You, know? you kind of can put them through the, the seasons as you want to say, but like those tacticams, uh, our buddy was showing us like the, the pictures that it takes and it takes some incredible pictures. Well, that's what I was, I was like, man, do I want that? I was like, spy points. I've been out there a little bit longer, but I feel like they have not so great customer service. I think that, or they just have a lot of difficulties sometimes. I'm sure anything like that's going to have problems, but it seems like they have more problems than others. Right. But then the thing I was seeing was there people like, yeah, the tacticams, the, the daylight pictures are fuzzy, but like, I haven't had a problem yet. And I've had it out since. A little after Christmas, like it's been out almost a month, and it's the daylight pictures that it sends you, like the the, the not or the low resolution ones are kind of grainy, but you get enough view, like okay, that's a buck, and then you know, then you hit the HD, and then you're like, it's a good picture, you know? Right. So, do you have any plans to uh, travel elsewhere, other states to hunt other than Ohio? So, um, the past two years, I've been hunting Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia. And then uh, I think 51 days from now, I think sometime in March, I think it's the third weekend in March this year, we're going to uh, Florida for Osceola hunt. Oh, that's awesome, man. I hope yeah. you I hope you can bag you one of those. It seems like yeah. everybody makes that, the, that I know that have have made that trip, it seems like their first year is always a, a, a learning curve. Right. They get on them the second year because they say those Osceolas are pretty tough to get on. Right. So I'll be hitting up probably – florida ohio west virginia and kentucky for turkey this spring so that's awesome i think my turkey tour is going to involve michigan indiana and kentucky i'm trying to work it out where i can just do like get it all kind of in like a week period get it all you know obviously i want to keep hunting but there's you know i we got little man and uh t-ball and stuff like that so if i can just do like a, a a week with a weekend like i thought about hunting opening weekend in kentucky to hunt that weekend there and then i think that wednesday the next wednesday would be opening in indiana so hunt kentucky up to up to wednesday hunt indiana wednesday thursday friday or wednesday thursday and then head up to michigan and hunt friday saturday sunday in michigan i put in for uh, the draw for the non-resident uh private land only their their tags are really really weird in michigan like you have to buy tags for certain zones some of them are public land only tags some of them are privately owned tags they only give out so many tags for county and for zones it's really weird how it all works out but uh, i put in for zone zz which is kind of like the middle of the state down yeah um, private land um the guys i had on actually last episode from mid-state outdoors uh we're kind of kind of do like a youtube collab and i'm gonna go up there and turkey hunt and they're gonna film i'm gonna film and then later on that fall i think they're gonna come here and uh or he zach is gonna come here and deer hunt with me and i'm gonna film him here so it's kind of like a we're doing like a trade hunt type of thing right, but, yeah, that's cool. but he's been sending me trail cam photos with some big big long beards in the field already all grouped up right now but uh pretty cool to see you know the michigan it's all snow covered and you got all these turkeys out in the field that's pretty badass yeah but i've only killed easterns i haven't got to chase any of the sub subspecies yet 
Yeah, so I uh, I got one hanging up over here. I killed in Washington. I think it was 2019. I killed a Rio out in Washington State. That's awesome. How'd you get on something like that? Uh, family friends lived out there, and my mom's like, "Hey, let's take a trip to Washington." I'm like, "What What are we gonna do in Washington?" And you know, springtime. And then I was like, "Oh, it's opening weekend of turkey season." So <laughs> that's awesome. Hunting, so yeah. Yeah, my brother, we, I don't know, dude, we chased so many turkeys that week. It was unreal. All public land and, and, uh, just, I think we walked like four or 500 flights of stairs and like 50 miles or something that week. It was up and down those mountains and it was rough, but I killed one and he had a chance at like at least two or three. It just didn't, didn't end up working out for us, you know, but that's awesome. I, I, I think I'm on like a, three-year streak where i haven't killed a turkey which sucks but you know sometimes that's the way the the cards draw i don't personally get huge turkey hunter i just don't have the land around around me because we don't have turkey where i live like there's a flock here and there maybe up and down the river somewhere but they're not like any other places that's populated with turkey you know what i mean like i go down kentucky and it seems like every field that you get to when you're driving some backcountry road there's a tom strutting out in the middle of the field you know what i mean yeah kentucky is unreal i mean i think it's a turkey hunter's paradise that's what i i never hunted it until last year and i hunted public land and it was just and even private you know and it was just there's unreal amounts of turkey it is man it seems like you know you can get on a bird early morning and then before 10 o'clock rolls around, you're already on another one. And you don't even know it yet. Yeah. You know I mean? yep. And it's like down there, it's just something. I, I think it's humbling hunting turkeys in the mountains, you know? It's, oh, absolutely. I don't know. There's something different about it, you know? Like we said earlier, it turned you into a man really quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about, you know, go back to the turkey hunting a little bit. You know, you said you're a running gunner type of guy. Is there any ty- time turkey hunting that you would ever spend in a blind? Or are you like me and hate blinds? I don't have a blind. I mean, I would hunt, um, I guess, a couple of years ago, we took a, some kids, you know, younger kids, and was trying to get them on it. And we did a lot of running and gunning with them because he was older. He was probably, you know, 12 or 13, never killed a turkey. And it was, I don't know, people new to turkey hunting, they don't really understand you can't move a whole lot. So we did spend some time in the ground blind. But I, I really, I, I don't personally, I can't do it. But there is circumstances i will for other people right and and i'm the same way with when it comes to turkey hunting i'm a impatient turkey hunter like you said and i like to chase them and whatnot but uh this past year i spent way more than i wanted to in a blind because i was trying to kill one with a bow and yeah I, I won't do that <laughs> i'm still oh. I'm, I'm gonna try it again you know i'm gonna take that bow and blind up to michigan if them if them boys want to set me on a field yep. edge somewhere but like you said there, there's nothing like, you know, cutting one off halfway on a ridge somewhere or, you know, maybe you know exactly where he's going to once he gets to that field. So you're trying to beat him to the field before he can see all the way across it yeah. kind of thing. It's pretty cool. It's fun, man. It's addicting. Oh, absolutely. You hear that first gobble of the year, and it's like the whole month after that, you just know it's going to be a wild ride. You know? <laughs> right. As soon as they get lit up, boy, they get lit up. Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, tell where, everybody where they can find you at on social media. Um, so Instagram's uh, Hunter underscore Muller three, and then I'm on Go Wild uh, at Hunter Muller and Facebook at Hunter Muller. So that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Had a good time talking some deer and turkey and stuff with you. Maybe one of these days. Well, after 
uh, your Florida adventure on some Osceola's. We need to get you back on and talk and see how that trip went. Yeah, for sure, man. I'd love to. Absolutely, man. Well, everybody, uh, like, subscribe if you're on the YouTube. You know, give us a review on if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. You know, give us a review and everything. And a little teaser, we got some big thing coming to this podcast. I'll probably announce that in the next episode or the episode after that. But y'all have a good day.